Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and nfl.com/shack. All right, the season's kickoff draws ever closer. And joining us here in Studio 66, Maximum Strength. Yes, the new and improved Studio 66. Or just we, new Studio 66. Enough, Black Tie. We're police. We're trying. We, we, have, uh, we have NFL media royalty in our presence here in Studio 66. I'm speaking, of course, of the face of NFL Network Total Access He's a handsome devil, and a swell fella on the inside as well. It's Dan Helley. What's the poop, fella? Studio 66 is gorgeous, by yes. the way. Yes, maximum strength. It's unbelievable. It's really quite I'm, swank, isn't Look it? at these steel beams. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Are they made out of plastic or styrofoam? I think it's styrofoam. I'm not sure. Also, doing the knocking on those styrofoam uh, girders is uh, a man whose face we haven't seen in far too long, all the way from... Uh, the UK originally. Now he serves as our resident Miami Dolphins fan. It's Handsome Hank. Handsome. He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. His name is Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. How are you, handsome? I'm really well, thank you, Dave. It's good to be here. Did you choose the soft, uh, soft burnishings in here, or was that black tie? I did not. He, I thought I figured you you were probably doing the walls and the painting, all that stuff. I did no, I did not get in here, but I did. Uh, I do. I would like to think that Studio 66's look was inspired by my hometown. These these steel, steel girders, girders 
would look right at home on the they banks. Would, of the yeah. Hey, Hanson, are those steel girders as soft and squishy as the Steelers? Or they, they, uh, uh, the, uh, this is not the steel curtain. Oh, on, you're better the, than that. That's what I figured. Yeah. All right, listen, there's a lot of room to grow within this podcast. So you started out. I like that. You set the bar low with that wisecrack. <laughs> now there's only one direction to go. So I do and it. that's up. Now, you broke some big news on a high-profile quarterback. His name is Johnny Football. But I'll, I'll break some minor news here. I was about – Dan Haley, earlier today you spoke – with Peyton Manning, perhaps the NFL's biggest star. I was also supposed to speak with him, but then just before he decided he didn't want to talk to Damashek. I don't believe that. That's what happened. Why would anybody not want to talk to Damashek? I don't know, but this is a true story, though. Peyton Manning specifically said, oh, Damashek, no, nah, I don't want to talk to him. You know what? I think it's flattering that he even I knew who Damashek was. I, listen. I would I, take that as a compliment. I should be bummed about that, but I, in a weird way – Listen, I didn't attack the guy personally. I just have pointed out the reality of his postseason record and the fact that it is sadly ironic that he, uh, someone who re- wins as much as he has in the regular season and all his great deeds statistically hasn't resulted in more postseason success. He probably heard that on the NFL Network's Top 100 show 2014 or elsewhere, one way or the other, the name Damashek is uh, apparently not a good one. Yes, Black. Uh, whoever wrote that narrative can shove that one where the sun don't shine. That's what he co- – yeah. He Oh, he could say that. He sends that right. message through third parties, but he didn't want to talk to Damashek, man to man. I was so looking forward to you asking Peyton, what's the poop? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had, a, I had a bevy of questions, and he probably – he is the – the reigning, he probably established this uh, new era for NFL quarterbacks confusing themselves with political candidates, which is to say that they answer nothing. They, they, well, they can never say anything about anything. I will say. Because they're afraid of bulletin board material. And as you know, Peyton doesn't know, but, but as you know, we, we graduated together at the University of Tennessee, mm-hmm. and I am a big fan of Peyton Manning's. But I will say that I don't know in a 10-minute interview if he did actually answer one question. <laughs> I'm not sure. So, Dave, can you give us a sampling of the questions you would have liked to have asked? Oh, Peyton this Manning? will be good. And then maybe we can answer either as Peyton Manning or as you oh, would want you know Peyton what? Manning to. I like to that idea. Black tie. Yeah, that's a fun idea. If you can't See? get Peyton Manning, let, get the next best thing, two people who aren't Peyton Manning. All right. The first question is, I was going to point out to him, well, okay, I'll, I'll tweet. I'll, this is Peyton one and two. Right. Or should you, black tie or handsome, do you want to be Peyton and Helly, you be Eli? Sure. I think Something like that, or yeah. we'll and just go. Black Tie can be Cooper. <laughs> he gets left out of far too much. All right. Uh, so let's start off here. Now, you know what? Helly's the big star of Total yeah, yeah, Access. You right. be Peyton. And, in fact, you went to Tennessee together, like you say. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Eli, if you have anything I to chime in with. I look a little bit with. like Eli. I've been told way, before as well. Well, that's a slap a in good your thing. face. No, indeed. But uh, <laughs> All right. Let's, let's do it here. So I was going to say, hey, Peyton, so here's a neat bit of symmetry for you. In your rookie season, John Elway – who was 38 at the time, won the Super Bowl, becoming the only guy at that lofty age to win a Super Bowl. That was his rookie season. So now in 2014, there's this whole fresh batch of rookie quarterbacks. Is it wise to start right out of the gate, no matter the situation, if you're a high-round draft pick like Peyton Manning was back in 1998? Well, I think if you're if you're ready to start, if you feel like you can go in there in a pressure situation – and achieve, then it would make sense. Um, but I, I can't say for any individual quarterback who got drafted this year because I can't think for them. Eli, your brother's being evasive. What do you think about this? I agree with Peyton. 
All right, next question, Peyton. Um, you know, John Elway is now running the organization. Let's say you follow in his shoes and become a GM yourself. And the board has been wiped clean in the NFL. First pick by Peyton Manning, general manager. What player in the league is he going to take? Well, that's a great question, Dave. Um, I know you have a lot of great questions because I've watched you on the Top 100 show. I have some of those great questions. There, there are so many fantastic players in the National Football League, and I really hope that I have the opportunity one day to actually pick one of those players. I don't know that it's necessarily my goal at this point in time to be a member of the front office, but if I am, hopefully I'm lucky enough, lucky enough to actually pick a great player. All right, but you can't take Eli. It's Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, or Tom Brady. got to pick one. Oh, those are a lot of good choices, Dave. I, 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 I know. So pick one of them. I really would love say to one pick of those one. names. <laughs> I, I just don't know if it's going to be. Who's the most handsome out of that group? Well, that's a better question, because you know I wouldn't be on that list. I'm going to pick one of these guys. Let's go with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, finally an answer there, Eli. Do you want to weigh in on this? Who's the most handsome quarterback? I agree with Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next question is: Let's say, speaking of looks. Let's say that Hollywood decides to make the Peyton Manning story. Who do you hope plays you, Peyton? Well, Dave, that'll be a tough call because I don't think anybody in Hollywood's over about 5'7 in terms of leading men. Who's the tallest leading man, Dave? You live in Hollywood. You're right out there. You're in the mix. You know Jimmy Kimmel and all the big dogs. Mm -hmm. So let me turn this question over Wow, Peyton, you really know a lot about me. (laughs) It is pretty amazing. There is a reason I did not want to talk to you, Dave. That's a, I didn't realize yet with all the breaking down of tape that you do all all through the uh, calendar year. Who knew you had so much time to have this cottage industry of uh, hating Damashek so much? Um, scale of 1 to 10, how bad was it watching the Super Bowl like John Fox made you and your teammates get together and watch it? Was it painful for you? Well, it's always painful when you lose a game, Dave. But when you lose a game of that scale and – Obviously, you know the criticism I've been taking for only winning one Super Bowl because the bulk of the criticism comes from you. <laughs> uh, it was not a fun watch. It has but come up. I'm hoping that we, as a team, were able to learn from that loss, and perhaps we could uh, we could turn things around. Just did, a you bring, bit this like, year. did you bring like Did you bring like anything to soften it a little bit? Did you bring like popcorn or jujubes? for you and your teammates because that would help the viewing experience. I prefer Mike and Ike's. The only bad thing is they kind of get stuck in your teeth while you're watching. That's interesting. What do you think about that one, Handsome Hank? I mean, uh, Eli, what's the best food to have at the movies? I agree with Peyton. (laughs) Hot tamales probably a little bit. Oh, you know what? Snow caps can be very nice. The snow caps with the left hand and the popcorn with the right is a winning combo. Who eats snow caps? Peyton, please. I know, uh, listen, I know a thing or two. It may not be about uh, losing games in January, but I know how to <laughs> I know how to eat in a movie. That's what theater. I'm talking about, Damashek. All right, enough of this, Jazz. Let's talk to Dan Helley, the man who broke some news, like I say, over the weekend. And the only problem with it is, is that head coach Mike Pettin has refused, at least to this point, to verify it is uh, you say you hear Johnny Football is definitely starting in week two for the Browns. That's always been the plan. Uh, from what I've been told, they're going to basically flip-flop roles, and they they got almost an equal number of snaps in that first game. But I don't think it matters that you get an equal number of snaps. It matters who's going with the ones. Right. So when you go into preseason game number two, I still have no doubt that Johnny Manziel is going to get the start. It's going to be on Monday Night Football. It's going to be against the Redskins. There are record numbers for our network 
for that preseason game in Detroit. I really, who who's going to be watching a preseason game between the Lions and the Browns if Johnny Manziel is not playing in his first NFL game? People who aren't Browns and Lions fans probably aren't going to be that interested, but he makes you interested. He makes the Browns relevant. Yes, I do think he's going to start. I'm most intrigued by the fact that Petten says he wants to have a starter by the third preseason game. So basically what's going to happen is when Manziel starts that second game, Brian Hoyer had a quarter in a series to state his case to be the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. And that's it. His first game coming back from a torn ACL, and all he gets is a quarter in a series with the ones. Now maybe he does get a chance to play with the ones in preseason game number two, but then you're going to keep your starting offensive line in there for three quarters in the second preseason game? That doesn't make much sense either. It's all, listen, of course it's ludicrous. And I, what also is ludicrous is I, I would, I, I feel like I'm hearing a little bit of frustration in Mike Pettin's voice. Oh, it's there. When the media asks him the question. Right. But it's sort of like, you know those people on Facebook who like to just make vague statements because they're soliciting attention like, ugh, what a day. You know, like something like that. And so then everybody, then the more sensitive people out there say like, what's up, buddy? Well, everything okay? What's going on? And like, all right, I guess I should tell you. Like, no, you know, you wanted me to ask you that. That's why you you, you made this sort of woe is me kind of statement. You see, that's, see, that's the, the benefit of knowing me, fellas. I just will complain to you outwardly about it. Right. I just hey, did you hear Peyton Manning hi-hatted me? You don't have to say, Dave, what's going on with you? Are you okay, buddy? No, no, I'll just tell you outright. But there are people out there. Mike Pettin, same sort of thing. Like, why can't you guys stop asking me about this quarterback thing? <laughs> yeah, the, what do you think? You could make a definitive statement here and now about Johnny Manziel starting week two, and then it would go away for a week. And then on the other side of it, you'll determine, apparently by his own standard, who is the starting quarterback for your team. I'm very curious to see if he holds to that. Because I got the impression from talking to some other people that they would like a little more time to come to a decision. But handsome, is there any doubt that it's going to be Johnny Football? That's what I'm talking about. The day after he was drafted, I said, just to put it into perspective for everybody, Tyler Thigpen, who's now no longer even with the Browns, literally is about the same level of talent as Brian Hoyer. In other circumstances, mm -hmm. you if they both came into camp at the same time, they would do battle, and it's hard to say who would win, Thigpen or Hoyer, or Rex Grossman at this point. Yes, Hoyer had those snaps last year and did reasonably well, so he has the perceived edge there. But in terms of talent, they're the same thing. Right. They, these guys, are, he's a pedestrian journeyman. Did you draft a first-round talent, a Heisman Trophy-winning guy who's going to get a lot of heat for your friend? I mean, in a good way, create a lot of noise about your team? And, or are you going to go with Brian Hoyer again? But it's I, laughable, the idea that they might start Brian Hoyer. Of course, there is zero chance of that. And Chris Wessling of the Around the League podcast seems like one of the few sane people out there who's agreed with me the whole way. Right. No, and, and look, I, I understand why Mike Patton has done what he's done up until now, because you don't want to anoint um, Johnny Manziel as the starter on day one. You want to make him at least appear to have to work for the job. Again, when you look at then the next the three games that they've got to open the season with – while I don't think it makes sense for Manziel not to start from day one, 
I can understand why you might not want to throw him in against those three defenses they kick off the season against. That's a practical good point there. But, Hallie, you were around the RG3 experience when you were toiling in D.C. How does this compare? Which way, which coach handled it better now as you compare Coach Shanny to the way Coach Petten's doing it? Well, you can make the argument that Rex Grossman certainly had uh, a lot more success on his resume than right. Brian Hoyer, obviously, and Rex was there. But they – they crowned RG3 before he got to town. I mean, you don't you don't trade away that many picks and then draft the guy number two and then not name him the starting quarterback. That doesn't make any sense. But the one thing that they did really well with him is they they built an offense to suit Robert Griffin III. Kyle Shanahan, everybody forgets about this because everybody in Washington wants to blame the Shanahans for everything that did go wrong the last season. But what they did with Robert Griffin III – his rookie season was genius, and they won the division. Obviously, the end of the year didn't end well with him getting hurt, and I, I think Kyle's very excited about having that opportunity with the Johnny Manziel. And I know, for one, he really, really likes the kid. Not just a football player, but he likes the kid. And he feels like he is preparing as hard, if not harder, than, than any quarterback he's been around. He feels like he's very intelligent. And... One of the things that the organization as a whole feels like, sure, they would the off-the-field stuff, they'd love to not hear about that ever again. But they feel like he doesn't come – he's not a know-it-all. He understands that he needs help to succeed at the NFL level. Right. And he's very receptive to coaching, very coachable kid. And I think that makes a great point there because the, you're right, the Redskins had to turn their offense over to RG3 and therefore change it entirely from what had gone before. Rex Grossman, RG3, completely different things. With three weeks to go until the NFL season begins, it's not really that believable that the Browns could either go into the season with an offense for Johnny Manziel, who has one skill set, versus Brian Hoyer, who's coming off a knee injury and has a very different skill set. Like You have to make that decision by game three, probably, in order to be ready for week one and, and playing the team that you're going to play, because it, it will be a very different game plan one to the other. Do you like better the idea, Helly? of the way the Redskins did it a couple of years ago, which was to say, you're our starter. He knew that before August even began for RG3. Or do you think that the Browns are playing it smart with this guy, given the photos from Vegas and all that kind of jazz that this kid needs to feel like, well, I got to at least earn it over this guy? I think in a perfect world, Brian Hoyer would start the season for three or four games, and, and then you can bring Johnny Manziel along. I, I don't know that there is a right or wrong way. I know that we've typecast Johnny because of all this off-the-field stuff, but from everything I hear within the organization, the way that he acts there, the way that he prepares, the way that he studies is is not the same as the person we are seeing pictures of on Instagram and Twitter. The guy's completely professional. So I, I don't know how to answer that question. I don't know that there's a right and wrong way. I, I know that Johnny Manziel and – and RG3 are two very different individuals, but they're they're uber-talented. All right, before Hallie goes to go do his fancy TV stuff here, one last question because I know you're a fantasy baseball guy as well, Hallie, and then we're going to dig in, me and you, Handsome Hank, and uh, perhaps Black Tie will also grace us with his opinions on the AFC North in just a second. But I've been offered a monster trade here. Mine is a keeper league, Hallie. Okay. I have Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. I also have Andrew McCutcheon. I also have Giancarlo Stanton. These are my outfielders. As you can hear Not from too that, shabby. it is a dominant outfield. However, my team is the best. However, 
My, my pitching is a little poor. My team is the best. Go it ahead. is. It Well, it is uh, by number. It is the best team this year. I've been offered a blockbuster. I am loath to give away franchise-type guys like Mike Trout. I need pitching. John Lester I've been offered, Madison Bumgarner, and Jose <laughs> Batista in exchange for Mike Trout. Keeper league, keep six guys. I'll still have Giancarlo Stanton. I'll still have Andrew McCutcheon. But I think in the short term, this gets me a championship if I make this te- this deal for two number one pitchers on good teams plus a bopper in Jose Batista. How say you? I have Jose Batista on my team. He's been putting up pretty good numbers yes, this year. Yes, he has. In a keeper league, I would not do that. Hmm. I wouldn't get a, get rid of Mike Trout in a keeper league. If it were not a keeper league, I think that's a very good trade, and it would behoove you to press accept on whatever website you're playing your fantasy baseball on. But in a keeper league, absolutely not. Would I trade away a guy that's going to be in the running for MVP every single year? Puts up silly numbers. It's tough, though, in fantasy baseball. Obviously, every league has different scoring. But dominant pitchers are worth more than dominant hitters. Yeah, yeah, it's true. All right, Helly, you go. You've given me a lot to think about here. I appreciate the time, and I'll enjoy watching your interview with Peyton Manning on Total Access. It is Tuesday night. Make sure you don't miss that. It is uh, two segments worth of excitement with Dan Helly, UT grad, talking to another UT grad, former number 16, now number 18, Peyton Manning. I look forward to seeing a smiling Dave Damashek around NFL Network headquarters <laughs> for the next, uh, I don't know, for the next five years. You're always smiling. Give me a high five, buddy. I don't do high fives. I'm a classic. I go low five. That was low five. All right. Yep, that's the only way I do it. All Thanks right. for having me, bud. Be well, Hallie. We want you back here in Studio 66. Maximum strength. ASAMP. We love to have you up here. We're going to make a regular thing. We're going to do video stuff out of here. I, I can see the big screens. Yeah. They look good. Handsome. Take care, Great buddy. We'll see, see you, you soon. Dan. Adios. By the way, now I understand how Dave feels about Peyton Manning because for some reason he doesn't want to talk to me about fantasy baseball. You know, that, that <laughs> what a slap in the face right, exactly. that is. Because baseball is such a huge thing in the U.K. Yeah. You love your brew crew. Right. If there's one thing Handsome loves, it's his brew crew. Can you name any 2014 Milwaukee Brewers? Um, no. Ryan Braun? Ryan Braun, that's oh, the one. God. That's I, the I, one. And when Prince Fielder left, I almost left with him. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Brian Braun. Well, they're named after <laughs> Brian Braun. <laughs> On that note, I'm out. Yeah. They're love named after beer, so it's that's nice. Right. It's that's easy to like. I, you know, when people ask that question, that is the correct answer, by the way. What's the best name for a, for a professional sports team? The Brewers. It's terrific. I, I mean, you know, some of them are uh, tangential, and you're like, okay, the Steelers, get it. Steal. The Packers, all right, they were packing meat. But the Brewers, it's just there isn't really any kind of sporting or location-based uh, name that makes any less sense than that. No, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, Brewers, they're making right. their beer up there. All right, so Black Tie. We have a little package here from a listener that we'll open in just a, in just a little bit. Is it yes. food based? Because I'm hungry. It is food based from right. New Zealand. From New, from New Zealand, wow. you say? Mm-hmm. From whom? Who sent it then? Well, we'll get to it. We'll Are they Czech Republic? Are they Handsome Devil? Are they fans of the show? He's a big fan Black of the show. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, all right. So in the meantime, as promised, let's pick up something that we uh, have let slide a little bit since Handsome. Went over to England with his little boy. How's that? How was the trip, by the way? You went across the Atlantic. We had a great time. Yeah, I haven't seen you since then. Well, I have, but not on on the podcast. I, we had a great time. Thank you. We did a lot of the things that you do in the UK. If you come to the UK as a tourist, we 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 did some tourist stuff in London. So we went to 
Buckingham Palace and saw the changing of the guard. All thing, I don't really want to ruin it because it's things that I hope you and I are going to do one day together. Oh, yes. I hope we can do that in season. Who yes, knows? Who knows? Um, as long as Peyton Manning's not playing in the game, I think well. we'll... he's not unless, unless there's a trade coming up. He, I don't believe he'll be playing in London. I also then went on another boys trip this weekend with my, with my four-year-old son to Dallas Cowboys training camp. What which fun. Was a, which was a fun adventure. Um, when does, by the way, when does school start? Because my kids, seven and five, started Jean-Claude Van Damaschek, started kindergarten today. Did he? Congratulations and, uh, to him. And, and his sister, uh, Obra, yeah, started second grade. Um, when do, I mean, when do, what, it, what gives? It's middle of August. I vowed as a child each year on multiple occasions, mm-hmm. when I grow up, I will see to it. My first order of business when I take it all over is I am shortening the school year and I'm shortening the school week. And then that led me to say, well, I'm going to shorten the work week. None of it has happened, handsome. I've been an abject failure. Right. Maybe this is what Peyton Manning's upset with me about. It could be that. It could could exactly be that. He heard my promise and and he realized that I never, you know, I never came through on it. And he's raw about it. But when does school? How long's the school year in England? Um, it it goes through. It goes a little later than it does here. It goes through even into July, the beginning of July, and but then they don't start until September, probably the beginning of September. Boy, oh boy, it's it's uh, such a bummer. And I do want to say, as I've said to the kids out there many times, here's Dave's bit of uh, pro advice for you. Yes, you have to go through school. You have to learn to read and write. I don't think there's any merit in chemistry or maybe long division, but after that, certainly not. You don't need algebra. Algebra is not necessary. That's just the man playing games with you. You think the man thinks you actually need that? No, he's laughing at you. Don't sweat any of that stuff. He's just just saying, like, yeah, this will keep him busy for a few years. That's what he's doing. He's laughing at you, you know? Um Unless you're going to be a doctor, then you need those things. But otherwise, why was it? Why did I waste, you know, valuable, precious hours of my life that I'm never going to get back bothering with chemistry formulas and all that hokum? Um, here's the thing, though. You have to go to that because it's the law. You have to graduate from high school or don't have to graduate from high school, but you have to go for a certain amount right. of time. College, though, that's the biggest ruse of them all. Oh, I, yeah. You know, listen, the guy, uh, what's his name, George uh, O'Leary, who almost went, who almost became the coach of the Irish or was the coach of Notre Dame for about three days until it was discovered that he lied on his resume. Okay, same thing. You can't be, you can't get into med school lying on your undergraduate stuff. But there are very few, probably FBI is probably more stringent. But most jobs, you don't need any of it. You don't need it. You can just say, who's checking up on you, right? Oh yeah, I went to Harvard. Yeah, I was a I was number four in my class. Who's checking that? Anybody? Well, I think if you claim Harvard, they might do. Do you think Dan Helly, if if he says, "Oh, I went to Princeton. I was a top. I was I was the top of my class." Anyone's looking into that? They're looking at his face. That's They're true. Not looking he is at a his handsome resume. devil. They're looking he is handsome. at his face and into those eyes, and that's it. Game over. Um. All right. So let's get into it here, handsome. I feel bad that uh, you know the school year now even. I mean, the one thing was. It was always after Labor Day, and Labor right. Day always made me sick in my gut. Now I have to adjust my own calendar to feeling sad for my kids two or three weeks earlier than I otherwise really should. So anyway, with that uh, dark cloud hanging over us today, let's talk about something good or compelling, and that's the AFC North in 2014. I really do think that this division is loaded, and I can't see purely based on Josh Gordon. 
and his assumed absence for a fair amount of time in 2014. That's the only reason I don't even think the Browns are – but they're, they're Josh Gordon away. If somehow it works out that he is available for the full season – I think they're division champion contenders as well. Oh, yeah. And, and look, that defense, you can't overlook the fact that they now have two legit shut-down corners. They have... The, it, it, depth be, on the front line. Depth, great front everywhere. seven. And, you know, they get, I think whatever happens, and this is why I suspect that, rightly or wrongly, Hoyer might start the season, you know, to continue that conversation. It, I think it helps them to have Manziel come in and be a hero when he arrives and be like, here's the guy, you know, let's say they have a tough time in those mm-hmm. first couple of weeks. Here's the guy that's going to rescue us. And that puts Manziel on the right footing as opposed to tough games to open the season with. And then the calls are, should Johnny be starting? Do we have to bring back Brian Hoyer, which is sort of not a very exciting move to have to make. I I couldn't agree with you more. It's the same point I've made about Geno Smith. You're doing him a favor by letting Mike Vick start the season and letting Geno play hero hero. when things go south on on the Jets. I disagree there. I think with with just the way Michael Vick has been received in New York and throughout his career, obviously minus the issues he's had, but throughout his career as an exciting player, I think it's actually reversed for the Jets. I think you want to start with Geno Smith, and then here comes Michael Vick, the exciting player who did this exact same thing in three seasons ago. I know, but if you, but that's, I don't but you're any, putting. I don't think anyone's excited for Geno Smith. I don't think anyone sees Geno. That's the point. Smith. If you, as a Jets fan, if Geno comes out of the gate and is tepid in the first week or two, he looks lousy. He's going to hear it immediately. The boo right. birds and everything. You're not doing him any favors. Let Geno play potential hero role. Start Mike Vick. If they come out of the gate rolling, he's more uh, he's more capable of reeling off some wins at the start of a season is Mike Vick. We don't know if Geno can do that. So practically, it seems like Rex Ryan would want to start with Mike Vick because he knows he's more experienced and more likely, like I say, to come out of the gate hot and if he doesn't, then you have Gino coming off the bench to cheers from Jets fans. Be no our one, hero, no Gino. Cheering on Gino. That's the point. Like in this, he, the hero role here goes to Vic. That's what I'm trying to say. Like Manziel, obviously, is you know almost like the people's champion. I think with the Jets quarterback, Vic more so is that guy, and Gino is kind of like eh. Which is why boy. they'll, which is why they'll boo Gino at the at the slightest of mistakes and demand Mike Vic, and then you're really putting extra pressure on the kid. Either way. Let's talk about the Browns first, and we'll start with them, Handsome. Mm-hmm. Let's do glass half empty, glass half full. And by the way, it's something we've been doing on NFL Now. Make sure you get the app. Make sure you're following along. You can uh, track some of that stuff down if you go to NFL.com slash now. And uh, really, this is personalized content, video content for you um, based on your teams, your favorite players, so on and so forth. You will get just about an endless supply a video uh, addressing these things, and this is the time to do it as you're getting ready from both a fantasy perspective and getting ready to see what the prospects of your real football team are going to be in 2014. Like I say, make sure you sign up for now. And we've been doing a little segment, Mark Iztook and I, one of the hosts over there at, uh, at Now, have been doing glass half empty, glass half full, and this is evaluating everything goes right, what the high-end potential for the team is and what the low-end potential for this team is. And let's start out with the Cleveland Browns, handsome Hank. What do you think, if all the stars align, everything goes right for this team, what's their high-end put, uh, potential? I think, the, in terms of a record, I think um, 
uh, challenging for a wild card berth, but probably not getting there. I think that's their high end potential. I think in that division, you you said it right. I think the Steelers are he, uh, way better than they've been for at least two or three seasons. I really like what the Raven the moves that Ravens have made to improve their offense. Uh, and I think the Bengals are, you know, they, they, they had a lot of the pieces in place last year. They're obviously the reigning champions. And, and I think that, you know, maybe Andy Dalton's able to, you know, we've, ne- we've never had a problem with Andy Dalton in the season, which means that he's able been able to get them out of the division and into the playoffs. So I, I think the Browns, regardless, are probably just a, a step behind the, the other three teams in the division. But that does not to say that they can't split some games along the way and challenge for, you know, that that last couple of weeks of the season being with a run at, the, at, a, at a playoff. I think I don't think it's too much to say double digits, yeah, uh, double digit wins. Might be there. Is a possibility, yes. Uh, yeah, I would, that's and, exactly and right. I would say 10-6, and six, taking a run at a wild card. Is there high end? The concern is obvious. It was obvious uh, the day after Johnny Manziel got drafted when Josh Gordon got himself into his latest bit of trouble. Well, actually, since then, he's gotten himself into more trouble. But either way, um, you realize, well, they, they have to address the wide receiver position, which was weird in hindsight that they didn't do that. Because right. remember, they said, we're sticking to our board. We don't know what's going to be with Josh Gordon. Now, all these months later, there's some late noise that maybe Josh Gordon will get off. You know, maybe he'll just. He's uh, but not he's, getting off. He's definitely going to have there's to no sit way down. Josh for, Gordon is getting off this. Week. I bet you. What do you think he's going to. I bet you he gets about four games. I think six to eight. Do you? Yeah. Well, it is something. I, I don't think it helps you if you've got in trouble. The NFL, you know, th- there's talk of you be whispers out there of you being suspended, and, and I'm, uh, from what I'm aware, this could come down as soon as today potentially. So you may be listening hmm. and already know what happens. But then to get in trouble while you're already on that kind of on the blacklist, uh, I don't think that's that's a good. I think that's something the commissioner takes a pretty well, and it's a of. pretty standardized thing with the NFLPA that uh, what the, what the penalties are supposed to be when it's drug related. Um, so, but the question is then, if they don't have Josh Gordon, I mean, it is a sorry, sorry group of it pass really catchers. Is. And then when you look at them, your question is, Miles Austin might be the next best thing on the roster. Miles Austin, we can assume, is probably going to be out for six to ten games himself through injury because that's kind of the way that he does things. Nate Burleson is Nate another. Yeah, I'm in the mix. I'm doing my thing in Studio 66. Uh, maybe Nate what, can get back in the can. studio maybe, and you know what? focus I, on his I, second That's totally passion. changed my mind. I think, uh, I think 12 wins. <laughs> no, wait, no. Uh, and then the other thing I think is obviously quarterback situation may not work out either way, whichever direction you go in. And then the running backs, Ben Tate is what they're hoping uh, happens, but Ben Tate's been pretty injury prone himself during his career. It is interesting to also point out the teams that have won the Super Bowl recently or teams that at least go far. It's not a requirement that you have this loaded uh, receiving core, you know, and, and uh, they do have Jordan Cameron. And, and like I say, I say again, if Josh Gordon is is in there with that defense and it is absolutely loaded and not unlike last year's Seattle Seahawks, it's not just talented, but it's deep. They are going to have a powerful rotation going on there. They should uh, really be a terrific team defensively. It's just that wide receiver position. So I'll say they're low end. I just can't see this team going much worse than seven and nine. How say you? Um, I can but purely on the basis that I think, that, as I said, the rest of the division's got a lot better. I think if if you if they start, you know, the start of their season, they've got to play against the uh, the Steelers in Week One in Pittsburgh. Then the Saints come there Week Two. I think if things get off to a bad start and they and, you know they get rolling and things don't go well, 
And then, you know, you get in that slump and you've got to play, the, you know, an improved Ravens team a couple of times. You've got to play the Steelers again. You've got to play the Bengals twice. You could see how things might slip away from them pretty quickly. Um, all right. So let's I, uh, so maybe six and ten is is a possibility. Let's then talk about who you just pointed out there. Their week one foe. Pittsburgh Steelers in Heinz Field. I feel like the Steelers, the way their schedule sets up, that game is critical. They got to take the Browns in week one at home. Witness in 2013, they started the season at home against the Titans. They lost that and then struggled to get back into uh, contention just about the rest of the season there. That really derailed them. They wound up 0-4, as I'm sure most people recall. They need to win this game because otherwise, they, because after that, they have a couple more tough games and they could be uh, behind the eight ball again by the end of September if they can't beat the visiting Browns. But I really like it. And I am, you know, call me a Steeler home or handsome because I deserve that. But I also, but as I always say, I'm a grown up and therefore I can distinguish between what I want to see happen and what I think will happen. And I told you in 2012, the Steelers are going to go eight and eight. They did. I told you in 2013, they're going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. They did. This year, I think the low end for them is 10 wins, maybe 11, maybe even well, as wait, much wait, as wait, 12, wait. maybe as much as – The low end, the, the worst they could do Oh, no, is... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think in terms of what their potential is, right. I think 10 wins is, is... is their ambi- – well, No, I think that they're capable of what... 10 yeah. to 12 wins – Somewhere in that range, um, I think the the speed on the defense, we always talk about the copycat NFL. What the Steelers have taken from the way the Seahawks did it is that they need uh, some speed. Right. They, they just were severely lacking. I think it's a little antiquated. People who point at what Warren Sapp said a couple of years ago, that the defense is old, but what he said that is accurate is that it was slow. slow. Now they have some playmakers out there. I think the defense is going to be much improved. And I think the most important guy out there, with all due respect to Ryan Shazier or anybody else, is Mike Mitchell coming up from Carolina. He had speed and athleticism, and that's a major. Listen, we love Ryan Clark here on this show. He's been a, a guest with us many times. But he, you know, at the back end there, as we saw most recently against the Giants last Saturday night, this team still gives up big plays. Mike Mitchell should help negate that once the season gets going. That's a big factor. And then on offense, I think Mike Munchak. Certain guys are just not cut out to be head coaches. I don't know if Mike Munchak ultimately is, but you hear that when you talk to football insiders. This guy is a great position coach. But as a head man, he just couldn't hold the room, you know, and, and vice versa. Some guys, it's funny to think, are better suited to be the head man, but they really, if you get them down into the specifics and crossing the T's and dotting the I's, that isn't their skill set. Maybe Mike Munchak is, that's the case with him, one way or the other. He's highly regarded as a line coach, obviously uh, a great one himself. I think that that is going to be a position of strength for the Steelers. They're going to be able to run the ball. Roethlisberger obviously can sling it pretty good, especially if you give him a running game to support him slinging the ball a little bit. Like I say, I have a good feeling about this Steelers team. I think their high end is clearly a division crown and a deep postseason run. I agree with you. And look, I, I mean, I think you should be more excited about this Steelers team than you've been able to be for at least two or three years, which, you know, as you said last year, you were you were saying it would eight and eight was as, as good as they could expect to be. I, I agree with you. I think division champions is is 
definitely possible for them. The question mark for me on the team is, yeah, there's, there's some young pieces to the offense. And so, yes, they've got faster, but there's also that kind of learning curve for a couple of players who haven't had much experience who are going to be expected to go from day one. The other big question mark for me, and I know another friend of the, of the, of the show, and, but maybe he, he displayed um, some of the issues that he may face this season when he lost to you, to you at, at basketball. Hmm. Ike Taylor and Troy Polamalu look like a pretty weak. Now, I mean, at one point, three, four years ago, they, that was a strength. Right now, that doesn't look like something that, um, well, it looks like something where off, opposing offensive coordinators are going to be saying, okay, let's let's man up some of our young speed against that. I mean, when you talk about, I know Marvin Jones for the Bengals is now on the shelf for, you know, the right. first month or so, but the Ravens have a bunch of pass catchers now. This is not, and that's the way of the NFL in general now. It is a gigantic red flag that it's not even Ike Taylor who's long in the tooth, but at least he's got the pelts on the wall. Cortez Allen is the, the starting right. opposite corner there. Talented but unproven. William Gay is your number mm -hmm. three. And when you start talking about who that nickelback is, of course, you're deluding yourself if you oh, when you when if you continue to list right. only two cornerbacks. What matters it's is who your top three, and three are. Yep. And William Gay, you know, he's it's, been up and down, and but – for the Steelers, it's, it really has been. The counter to that is, is in Dick LeBeau's uh, defense, it's always about the pass rush. And if they right. do get Jarvis Jones going, who looked good, looked promising last Saturday night, if you get Jason Worlds playing for a contract, having a, if, if Ryan Shazier can get off, Sean Spence is a great story, an underreported story too, by the way. This kid destroys his knee in the last preseason game two years ago, he was all but given already a starting gig, which is a rare thing for Dick LeBeau to say a rookie's going to start, especially in the middle. But that's how good and fast Sean Spence was. And then had a ruinous knee injury, nerve damage, and all the rest. But now, improbably, he's back out on the field. He looks good, so there's some depth there in the in the linebacking yeah. core, which is so important to what Le Dick LeBeau wants to do there. So if they can get pass, if they can finally get some pass rush, then that it covers up what's going on in the secondary, specifically with the cover corners there. So I mean, I feel like you know, I guess I could say seven and nine is their low end. It's a it's a possibility, I suppose, if they don't get that pass right. rush if once the, if, again. If the pass rush doesn't doesn't then um, they will be torched. Doesn't work out, then they're going to get torched. Yeah, exactly. So I guess seven and nine is not a completely unrealistic thing. Next up, let's talk about the Bengals, and uh, there is a new instant debate up on NFL.com. The question is, what team out there has a chance? at taking down the Seattle Seahawks and having the NFL's number one defense in 2014. I selected the Cincinnati Bengals, again, referencing what the Seahawks did, their greatest attribute, and they had a lot of talent, and everybody talks about their secondary, but it was that rotation up front, and I think if the Seahawks slide back a little bit this year, it's because they don't have that depth and pass rush. You look at two of the last three Super Bowl champs have had exactly that. Their greatest strength, perhaps, is what they could do up front defensively. Well, I mean, I guess the Seahawks' uh, secondary was was their greater strength. But mm -hmm. still, what they could do, the Seahawks are not going to have that. But the Cincinnati Bengals are, you remember, halfway through the season, the greatest defensive, at least on the interior, the greatest defensive lineman in the league is Geno Adkins. He hurts his knee. You figure, well, that's it for this defense. And instead, they just keep on going. They wind up third overall defensively. And now he's back. Now you add in Darquez Denard, who Marvin Lewis is swooning over. You've got a nice mix of veteran savvy, who still have high pedigree, Terrence Newman, Pac-Man Jones, and those guys. 
And then uh, and then you also have the youth of Drake or Patrick and like I say, Darquez Denard and uh, and the rest. So I think the secondary is good. You have Vontez Perfect, who a lot of insiders will tell you is every bit as good as Luke Keekley, if not even a little bit better. He plays with that nasty edge. And like I say, they have all kinds of pass rushers. Uh, Marcus Hunt barely even gets out there if he starts getting in there. And then you know the offensive line is a great strength. The question is, once again, QB, Andy Dalton. I just don't think he's got the right mental makeup that if things go south on him for a couple of games, that he'll deal with that all that well. Um, but that aside, and, and I also don't exactly buy Marvin Lewis. He is the longest, second longest tenured coach now behind Bill yep. Belichick. And it's remarkable as fast as a lot of organizations turn guys over, and I like the idea of stability, maybe they're looking over across the Ohio-Pennsylvania border at the way the Steelers do it and say we don't need to turn the page just because we had a down year or two. But has there ever been an NFL coach who's achieved so little who's held on to his gig for as long as he has? Marvin Lewis, all right, so they're on a nice little run of making the playoffs three straight years, but he's never won a playoff game. He's well, never won a playoff game. But, but you, I mean... That's bad. Yes, it is bad, but you look at... I think the Bears took a big risk a couple of years ago when they got rid of Lovey Smith after, you know, consecutive playoff years. Fair enough. And I don't know that, you know, this in fact comes back to something I've said over and over again about Andy Dalton when we were talking in the offseason about whether, whether he should be replaced. If you don't know for sure that the guy that you're going to get to replace them, regardless of whether it's a quarterback, a coach or anything else, is going to do better than the guy you've already got there then you need to make it's, – it's not probably not a great move. And I don't know, especially this year, if you look at the coaches that were hired when you've got Jay Gruden, who was on that staff, if you look at the guys that were hired, can you say for sure that they're going to do better than Marvin Lewis? Obviously, no one can say anything for sure, but I don't know that there was anyone out there that was a, that was a ton better than him. I this might be the year in the same way that Andy Dalton – and I think it was a great move for them – if they had decided that Andy Dalton, they were sticking with him even this year, they kind of had to re-sign him to that contract because you're right, his confidence is not mm-hmm. you know, his best thing. If he had to go into this season, even for one game, thinking, I don't know if this is going to be back, the pressure's on me, everyone's looking at me, it, it, it could have gone horribly wrong. I think this time around, it, it was the right thing for, for them to do to re-sign him. They couldn't find a better person to be playing quarterback than him based on, you know, it's basically him or Michael Vick. I well, that, well, I did and advocate I March remember. for exactly that, and I think that's what they should have done. If, if nothing else, he could be in the exact same spot he's in with the Jets right now, which is, hey, if this guy goes wrong, at least we have somebody who has done it and been – uber successful right. but that would have only been a that would have only been a solution for a year at the most you still were going to come back to the same thing which is either do you stick with Andy Dalton in the future or do you go with do you go in an entirely different direction and I think I think they did the right thing for me I, I love their uh, by the way Tyler Eifert is a guy I think you should everyone should keep I agree I've been year. waiting for his emergence already I, I really I think that um, you know that offense is if you've got AJ Green Marvin Jones emerged last year with Jermaine Gresham mm-hmm. playing tight end you know you you've got some some pretty interesting looks you can put on the field with Gio Bernard being the type of, you know, sort of... And Jeremy Hill. This, and, I mean, yeah. there's no reason not to be excited about this team except for the two most important factors. One, their quarterback, and two, their head coach. Well, yes. But I think... I, I, I'm not worried about the quarterback. This is a guy that's managed to get them to the playoffs three years in a, three years in a row, so that doesn't worry me too much. What I do want to see is is... You know, can can they take that next? Let step? me put. Let me offer up this uh, little asterisk, though. The Steelers, who are perceived and probably deservedly so, since Dick LeBeau came back from Cincinnati a number of years ago, have been 
the most fearsome pass rushing team in the NFL, save the last couple of years. If they return to that, then that's two more games Andy Dalton is going to see his least favorite thing, which is guys bearing down on him when he's trying to throw the ball. He hasn't had to deal with that. The Ravens' defense should be a little bit better than it's been in the last couple of years. And like we talked about already, the Browns' defense should be fearsome as well, even better than what it was last year. So that's a bad division to be a guy who likes to be nice and clean and be and have an extra half a second to make his decision if you take that away from Andy Dalton. He's going to struggle. Hugh Jackson is an upgrade in all likelihood from Jay Gruden, which is a funny thing to say considering that Jay Gruden's now a head coach. Right. Um, I think that this team can go as uh, this can be they can be as good as 12 and 4. They could have the number 1 defense in the league, but I can also say and this is not football based so much as it is human based, I could also see things going wrong and those personalities being at the, you know Marvin Lewis understands he is accustomed to now being beaten up by the likes of the Steelers and the Ravens over the years. If things start to head in that direction, I don't know that he's going to have a good like answer a for Falcons it. or Texans type season. You could see this no, being this being can't be that grim. Right. Seven and nine, let's say. I think the one thing I'll say about this, and then we can move on to the Ravens, but the one thing I'd say about this team is it's always nice to know what your weakness is or what your perceived weakness is. Like uh, as you say, Andy Dalton needs time. Hugh Jackson, that means Hugh Jackson's had the entire offseason to develop or at least develop upon the offense that they already had to say, well, what do we do in the games that Andy Dalton is being pressured and, and is having problems? How do we t- get him out of that? Because whenever, when they played in the playoffs and when they've had those bad games where Dalton's kind of looked like a lost little boy out there, they didn't seem to have any kind of plan B. I, you know, I hope Hugh Jackson has spent the offseason trying to work out what do we do, how can we make the offense work in those situations? I hardly accept the idea, and you know, we could ask a guy like Daniel Jeremiah about this, but, um, you know, uh, Scout Supreme, who we love to talk to on the show. But I, I find it hard to imagine that A.J. McCarron is that is perceived across the board as a downgrade from A.J. Dalton. And I'm sure he grades higher in, in some aspects at the very least. I think they have about the same arm strength and everything else. But, uh, you know, A.J. McCarron playing for Bama. It's always a is that a benefit that he won so much there or was it covering up his deficiencies to be out? There were so many stars, the Matt Liner syndrome. Um, or those USC teams, or is he a higher pedigree guy, and that's why Bama went after him in the first place? Anyway, we may get our answer to that. I've been saying for some time I think we're going to see A.J. McCarron get uh, get some snaps out there and not because Andy Dalton is hurt. Let's go to the Ravens. So what's your low end for them, by the way? Uh, eight and eight. Eight and eight is the worst for those for those Bengals then. And now They've let's just go. Got too much talent. A year removed from the Super Bowl now. Joe Flacco, the twenty million dollar man. It seems like philosophically, based on their personnel moves, they were trying to turn themselves into a pass first team. But then they hire Gary Kubiak, who loves to run, run, run. We know that from uh, from his days in uh, Houston and before that is the offensive coordinator in Denver. We know he likes to try to run the ball quite a bit. I don't think it suits the pieces. This is sort of like Mike D'Antoni coming to the Lakers a year ago and saying, well, I run this system and Lakers fans saying, yeah, but we don't have the pieces to, to make it work. You have to adjust your style. So I don't know that they have the right makeup. And in fact, we talked to Daniel Jeremiah about that. And he said, the liability of this offense is that offensive line. They are not stout enough to be a run first team. But I do like those weapons they brought in. I could see them doing as well as winning the division, 
if they can go 11 and 5, that's the high end. I would say maybe 12 and 4 for the Ravens. How say you? Yeah, I think that's probably the high end. I but I totally agree with you. I watched um because they've been on all day long for the last however many days. Um they're blending into each other at this point. But I watched the Steelers, uh, sorry, the the Ravens 49ers preseason game from preseason week 1. And they are clearly planning on running the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And based on what you saw from Ray Rice last year, I don't know that that's necessarily going to work out particularly well for them. On the other hand, you got the the Smith brothers playing receiver, um, and and you know what they were able to do in the past with Dennis Pitta when he's been healthy as well. I don't think it's. Um, I, I wouldn't want them to to spend too much time focusing on the run. Defense, uh, in the meantime, Haloti Nada, people on the inside will tell you that he has slipped ever so slightly from his high end, but he still is uh, one of the great anchors in uh, in a 3-4 defense in the NFL. And they do have a rotation going there, but now Timmy Jernigan has to step up a little bit uh, more quickly than they expected him to have to. C.J. Mosley, we talk about Alabama. He's the high-pedigree guy who fell into their lap at inside linebacker. They expect him to come in there from day one and basically be Ray Lewis light for them. The defense overall looks pretty good to me, and especially they get Matt Elam now at safety. The question, I mean, the uh, the corners, Jimmy Smith is kind of a question. He hasn't exactly delivered since he got there. Um, there were questions about him coming out of school a number of years ago. He hasn't exactly been great, but Ladarius Webb on the other side. So the defense should be fine. It's really a question of if week in and week out, Joe Flacco can deliver and talking to some guys who were teammates of his a year ago, they have some legitimate doubt in that locker room whether Joe Flacco, the issue for him is consistency. Yes, right. he can be gangbusters. Obviously, anybody knows that. The guys in the locker room remember what he did uh, a couple of Januaries ago. But then, looking at 2013, they said there were just some weeks where he was just atrocious and there was no excuse for the way he played. And that's him, I think. I mean, you know, he, he's Well, played, that's bad news. Right. He's played long enough in his career, though, for us to all to have seen. It doesn't. You don't need to have played played in the locker room with him to see that he has he can be incredibly good or can be disastrous and there isn't all there, there often isn't a lot in between I see I think this team could go you know I I, I, I sort of was doom and gloom about I thought the Riley Cooper thing might really damage the Eagles. It didn't affect them in the least a year ago. You always hear about these things, and I think, you know, when there's off-the-field stuff, you think, man, because it's a talking point, and people say, what's what's going on in the locker room now? Is this causing uh, derision in there? Is it distracting? And it never seems to to really – be an issue for anybody. They, you know, you know, I mean, even even you know, with my team, with the Dolphins and everything that happened last year, I think you know, a week or so after, right, yeah. after everything went down, they were they were asking reporters, "What are you guys still doing here? We've moved on." Yeah, that's um, a, that's a great and, example. And like the Michael Sam story is a, as another example. You get no sense whatsoever that it is an issue for anybody. It's just something that people who want to try and create trouble will point out. But so I don't think the Ray Rice thing is going to be an issue for them in that regard. I think more practically, is Ray Rice worn out or is the offensive line oh, sure, not that yeah. good? That's, I mean, those, those are the th- questions. Those are... It's not, definitely not related to his, his mental well-being. Um, so, is, all right. So, let's say... Is now a good time for me to talk about Sam Cook, my favorite directional punter in the NFL? 
if well, if if that uh, helps to uh, to I, color I your, I think he makes a difference. I think he wins them a couple of games a year, and no one ever realizes it. That's all I'm going to say at this point because I realize no one wants to talk about punters. Um. All right. So let's uh, real quick here. Then let's say handsome. Who do you think wins the division? We've made a case, and our and the high end for three of these teams mm-hmm. is pretty much the same. Twelve and four. You say, and I agree with you. Who do you think does win the division? I think it comes down to the Bengals and the Steelers competing through the last couple of weeks of the season to see who wins it. I'm going to give it to the Bengals. And are the Browns your last place team? Yes. Is Are the Steelers a playoff team, a wild card? The Steelers card? are a wild card team. Whoever comes second in this division is a wild card team. All right, the very good. So thus ends our AFC North you? preview. I'm going to hold off on my final prediction. Okay. I, oh, I've I given you what I think, but I, I, we have to give our proper predictions coming up in uh, in a week or two here. I'll say this. If Johnny Manziel starts from the get-go, have the Browns winning that division, 10-6. The Browns will win the division, says Black Tie. There if you have Johnny it. Manziel starts from the get-go. Well, he's going to start, that so that's what you're saying. defense is great. Your prediction is that they will win the division yes. then because he is definitely well, we should. going to start well, then, the season. Then book it. Hey, right. Black Tie, before we move on, we got to open up this package here. i got a quick question for you. Yes. The sad news of Monday was, of course, uh, the um, Robin Williams uh, uh, death. I want to hear, first of all, <laughs> handsome. How is how was Robin Williams received in the U.K.? Big star? Same, yeah, same, same thing? Say, yeah. Well, I Absolutely. imagine some people aren't. I don't the... think. I don't. I think he was a big movie star. I don't think everyone saw the stuff that got him to the movie. I think that's a fair point, actually. A good, a good question by you for that reason. I don't think everyone saw the all the TV stuff that he did to get to Mork and Mindy. Mork and Mindy, and then d- he did stand up and everything else. I don't think we saw as much of that. Where he just emerged on the scene. I and remember. That's general, I'm sure there'll be 50 I've... tweets that now say, "Handsome Hank never lived in the UK." <laughs> I um. Well, that yeah, I remember Mork and Mindy, but I also remember um, that he he was always a great guest on Letterman right. in uh, in the old uh, late night on NBC days. And he one time, and I tweeted it out on Monday. He came. Oh, Jonathan Winters, who was another uh, comedic legend, was on, and Robin Williams walked out of the shadows and joined Letterman and Jonathan Winters, and Winters and and. Uh, Williams did this improv thing that for a couple of minutes as a father and son that was hysterical. Not nearly as good as as Dan Helley and Handsome Hank being the the Manning brothers, Mm -hmm. but just the same. It was strong stuff. Um, What was your favorite? uh, Well, well, I'm going to ask that of Black Tie. Favorite Robin Williams movie? Uh, I have to go with, as a child, just remember watching Mrs. Doubtfire, just based off my childhood, really. But I really like Dead Poet Society. Big fan of Jumanji as well, At once again, as a child. I never saw Jumanji. Uh, handsome, your favorite. Uh, Dead Poet Society. Uh, Good Will Hunting, I like a lot, but Dead Poet Society is what was, I watched at, I was, I was the age that, that they yeah. were. It made Did you watch it in sense. school? Yep. I watched it in school as well. In we, school? Yes, yeah. I watched that in school as well. They, they, we had to, we, we, not had to, we watched it because we also were studying the, the, um, the script. It wasn't. Uh, it definitely wasn't Patch Adams. It wasn't Father's Day. I would say it was Goodwill Hunting, or I think you're right. Well, you know what? Birdcage. He's good. He plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he plays sort of the straight man, as a matter of fact, uh, to Nathan Lane's more flamboyant character. But uh, yeah, so that deserves a shout out. Yeah, I, I get you on Mrs. Doubtfire. Aladdin. He was great in. The Fisher King. 
I'm with Handsome, though. I think it's got to be Dead Poet Society. I agree. Overall. Good I morning, agree. Vietnam. And, now, oh, there's one. The one I've seen the most of his movies was probably Club Paradise, unfortunately, with Peter that. O'Toole. <laughs> it was a weird cat. He, really? he, he's a firefighter who decides, I don't remember the backstory, but he decides to invest in, a, uh, a, in Jamaica in a little resort, okay. and he runs it, oh. and he has trials and travails. I bet I'll look forward to watching nah, it or not. I wouldn't do that. No, no okay. don't, don't don't watch that. The stand-up is pretty hilarious, too, because, like, Hank, growing up, I, I just saw him in the movies. I thought he was, like, a, a big family movie TV star. And then in my elder, older days, I see him doing HBO stand-up where he's cursing and talking about real life. I'm like, whoa, Robin Williams gets down. And I was like, oh, it's actually kind of cool. Really funny dude. Oh, no, his best movie, though. So, all right, so I will go Dead Poet Society number two. I will go at number three, um, Dead Poet Society. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Goodwill Hunting. Right. And at number one, I'm tempted to go with Good, with uh, Good Morning Vietnam, but but his best overall movie. What? <laughs> it's better than number one, but not as good as number two or three. What do you? Where not are we Popeye. Now? It was The World According to Garp. Did you ever see that? I have not seen that. No idea. Uh, world occurring. Uh, anticlimactic. All right, let's move <laughs> on then. That. Yeah, but bad news, of course, sad news and all Very that. Sad. Um, Very terrible sad. stuff. Um, but all right, let's, uh, so let's end on a higher note then. We got a letter from Mark Acourt, a, uh, uh, like you say, a New Zealand fan. He drops a line. He's been meaning to send us some crisp slash chips, three flavors of proper crisps, from Nelson, New Zealand, they're all very good, and he hopes we agree with that. The uh, they have a secret kind of potato, especially the secret. The and New Zealand potato is the agria, and they cook them in sunflower oil, and they use all natural ingredients. He wants a shout out the uh, the New Zealand All Black Rugby Team, which is a terribly uh, offensive the all name. Blacks. That's a terribly offensive no, name. No, they are they in rugby terms. That's like being. Um, I don't know, the Dallas Cowboys, the New England Patriots, and the Seattle Seahawks all at once. Um, we already know the answer to this one, but since he sent in a bounty of chips, did uh, Mark Acourt, we should ant- crisps, we should give yeah. him this. Crisps. Um, he wants to play a little has black tie scene it. We're going to do it right now. We Let's already know the answer. Lord of the Rings. Do you know the answer to this answer? Oh, you answer. don't know the answer to this. All right. Do you think he's seen it or no? Knowing black tie's love of fantasy and kind of, you know, cartoonish stuff, I'd say yes. Cartoonish? Right. You, love a, you love a... No, Lord of the Rings isn't cartoonish. I mean, fantasy, you know, like... You love your well, superheroes. I love superhero movies, yes. Yeah. I'm not a comic guy, but superhero yeah. movies, I'm, you like I'm down for. superheroes. You like fantasy generally. Yeah. All fantasy. right, so answer the question if, if it hasn't well, been made clear already. I watched all Lord of the Rings movies last Christmas, actually, because I saw the, the trailer for Desolation of Smog. Again, always gets me how you say the word smog. I think it's and, smog. It's smog. Yeah, it's really interesting. But I, I saw that trailer and I'm like, you know, I really want to watch that movie because I'm a big fan of Benedict Cumberbatch. Again, me and my movie background. So I go back and watch all the Lord of the Rings movies and the Hobbit movies so I can watch Desolation of Smog. Um, wasn't so, that impressed? Well, I find them to be a little bit, and I, I, this tells you two things. I find them to be a bit like Game of Thrones in that I didn't enjoy them as much as Game of Thrones, but... 
I never knew who was on a quest to do what. Yeah, it was they way all too seemed, much. It's like, what are you guys, where are you going? Just sit still for a moment and explain what you're doing. Well, they now are not as good because of Game of Thrones. At the right. time, I thought they were the greatest, but now you watch Game of Thrones and they do seem more childish. Yeah, well, they are. Because of the sexual content, right? There's <laughs> a big difference, or two or three big differences. I know they're dragons. Well, they're, they're well dragons. Game of Thrones has there dragons. There are people being beheaded and bleeding profusely all over the floor, which I don't remember <laughs> that bit of, of Lord of the Rings, even when there were those big scary They replaced Smeagol with bosoms. Yes. Is basically yeah, the, and, and that is sort of an upgrade, I guess. Yeah. Um, so he also asks, does Mark, he, if uh, we could recommend some bars and restaurants for him, he's going to New Orleans. Oh. And uh, he also thanks us. He joined in episode number 50. He's a fan. He likes uh, the Around the League podcast. Um, and uh, he says his knowledge of condiments and breakfast meats has been greatly enhanced well, that's by his listening. That's about the only thing you're going to get from listening to this. Well, listen, Peyton Manning does not have that same knowledge. Dave, I want to give you a pep talk before we get out of here because I'm sad for you. I, I, I don't want I, your pep talk. No, we're, no, well, we're opening these chips first, first, right. or Chris. Well, we can do this at the same we time. We have, first of all, proper. Oh, that's what he said. They're proper. I thought he meant like he was just talking like you. These are proper crisps. No, they're actually the brand, the is, brand proper is proper crisps. These are Marlboro sea salt. Oh, I like is the that sound like of a, that. A mixture of cigarettes and salt. I hope so. Just keep uh, very be kind to our listeners who are I'm just not, hearing I'm the not, audio so of you I'm not munching. I'm normally a sea salt. Just a, a, a no, I like, usually like it that mm. be uh, paired up with some vinegar. Oh my goodness! Yeah, sea salt. That's good. You can taste the good potato. That one. Okay. Salt and vinegar, though I'm into. Salt and vinegar is now ahead. What's and the then last flavor? Smoked paprika. That's a good mm. one. Not gonna lie, guys. Doing the t- doing the show, I came in. There I noticed you opened crisp. the bag. Obviously. Yeah. I um. I hope what he. I hope what uh, Mark said is, is good about the ingredients because oh! I ate a lot of them. Smoked paprika is your champagne. No, no question. No. Oh. Uh, so I have a problem with smoked paprika. Occasionally, tastes like if you pick some leaves out of a bonfire. That's and, exactly what it tastes like. That's tastes, what like it t- tastes like toasted leaves, which and that's not. I just don't like smoked paprika. Gonna give a shot to the gourmet mustard there. Well, oh, I didn't try. Oh mustard. my goodness, gourmet yeah. mustard. Hot whiskey mustard. Wait, I'm going to dip a chip in there, and then we're really going to go to cloud nine. <laughs> anyway, all right, Eli, why don't you go ahead and give me a pep talk? I did, well, look, here, I, something happened this weekend, as I said a little earlier in the podcast. Oh, right. I took my son to um, to the Cowboys training camp at the weekend, and this is where you, know, you and I now have something in common. Their big name, obviously the Cowboys have Tony Romo, but Jason Garrett was there, and... Um, Lots of players came around and were signing footballs for, for kids and things like that. And that was, you know, it was a nice thing to do. And then suddenly Jason Garrett appears. My son demanded a white ball that players can sign on. Jason Garrett lines up at the fence and, and comes along and, and he's going to sign my son's football. So for, he, first of all, my son refuses to allow him to sign the ball. Says you can't sign this ball, it's already been signed and you're not a player and I'm not interested. <laughs> um, so that was part one. Then Jason Garrett says... Um, well, you, you're a Cowboys fan? He goes, no, I like the Jets. As a Dolphins fan, I, I, mean, I was a, a little worried about face, him yeah. being a Cowboys fan. But it was a slap in both of our faces. Mm-hmm. Jason Garrett was upset. He's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And he was told, <laughs> no, you can't sign my ball. And no, I don't really like your team. But for me as a father, he, t- he embarrassed me in front mm-hmm. of the Dallas yeah. Cowboys head coach. And then c- claims to be a Jets fan. 
That is, so, I mean, listen. You know, the, look, I can, I'm not going to be accepted by Jason Garrett at any point in the future. So it's really kind of <laughs> so the same thing, and that's going to be bad thing. for you because Jason Garrett is probably going to be coaching the Dolphins yes. in a year or two. Well, he, that's where he began his career as a coach. I'd forgotten about that. I'd forgotten about that. Um, yeah, but the bigger long-term issue for you is your son basically giving you the hi-hat. Right. What does he do? You know, he's a contrarian by nature. Well, oh, is. oh, dad likes the dad likes the Dolphins, and I have to go against him. Yeah. That could be a lifelong rift. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm worried about you. I well, don't like where this is headed. We have to turn this kid around right. sooner rather than later. It'll be too late. And if we can turn him around, we can turn Peyton Manning around. From your mouth to Kamishka Dell's ears. All right, we'll wrap it up there. We'll be back with more Hoogie and Applesauce for you later in the week. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com.